Yo, welcome to Slash Your Horror. I'm your host, Leroy Cross James, and I have no idea why I'm shouting. Probably because I'm so excited to do this episode today. Yes. So this week I left it up to you guys to decide what I talked about on today's episode. On my Instagram I gave you a choice of horror films to choose from. And I will talk about all those films eventually. But you chose... Dun dun dun! You chose Vamp. Yes! I love this film. I was quite surprised actually, only for the simple fact that I thought the majority of you would have voted for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which, you know... I got when I got the votes and I counted them up. Uh, there was quite a lot for Elvira, but there was a lot more for Vamp, and it's just it's quite nice actually because I know that Vamp has definitely gathered more of a cult following over the years, but I never see a lot of people um, talking about it much. Um, so yeah, you ask you guys asked for Vamp, so today I am going to give you Vamp. Yes. Um, so I first heard, or rather I saw, the VHS of Vamp in a video store, and this wasn't our usual video store to go to. It was one in my hometown, uh, but we just rarely ever went there. And I just remember that the VHS box art it had this really awesome painted image of Grace Jones on the cover, where she was like leaping out of the image. And she was wearing, like, the metal brassiere that she wears in the film. She had the bald head. And it was, like, um, this sort of greeny sort of, like, hue to, to, to the front cover. And it was just really cool. But it was only when I was um, in my late teens. There was this guy that I used to date. And his, his whole family were horror fanatics. But his brother had all these horror VHS tapes in his wardrobe. And they, they had a VHS player. So... We made our way through loads of horror films um, on VHS, and Vamp was one of the first ones I remember watching um, on VHS with, with him. And yeah, it was just, it was a really cool experience to watch it on VHS before I watched it on like uh, on DVD or streaming or whatever. And um, yeah, the, the box art was just something that it just, I remembered it as soon as I saw it. I was like, oh my God, I remember this being in the video shop when I was a kid. Um, and it was just something that I always used to do as well when we went to the video shop. I would just look at the box art of horror or fantasy or 80s films in general. And that's what I love so much about the VHS VHS box art of those films is that there was a lot of time and effort put into painting them or making the art for them. And I know a lot of films nowadays, they try and imitate that or a lot of book covers do. And it's just nice to see that they have, you know, it has that legacy. But... Another film that strikes, always, I always remember, is um, Dolly Dearest's VHS box art. And I never saw that film until I was in my 20s, and <laughs> it wasn't the best. But um, it was just one of those films that, it just as soon as I saw it, um, again, I was just like, oh my god, I remember this being in the video shop. And then I watched it, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> but I'm like that with most films anyway but I think that's the beauty of it like it it was a good marketing because the you know, the box art was great and that was the case with Vamp as well um, I mean this was just the UK box art I'm not sure in the US whether they had the same sort of image um, but the UK one that I saw was pretty cool so yeah I watched Vamp on VHS before I watched it on DVD and I love that I have that memory of it um, and it was just around this time I was starting to discover horror films that weren't on my radar as well. So it was nice that Vamp was one of the first ones. And like I said, it has this big cult following now and more and more people have start, have seen it. Probably thanks to the internet and probably Arrow's special edition release of it on DVD and Blu-ray too. But 
For those of you who have never heard of AMP or never seen VAMP, and if so, why? But also, um, I hope I can change your mind today when I give you a little bit of commentary on it. So, VAMP was released in 1986 and is a horror comedy that tells the story of two fraternity pledges called Keith and AJ, who go in pursuit of a stripper to bring back to the, their frat house to impress their frat bros. Yes, that is the plotline of the film. Um, Keith and AJ are played by Chris Matepiece and, oh, yes, my favourite 80s hunk, Mr. Robert Russler, who also starred in The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Weird Science, Frashin, and Sometimes They Come Back. Like, seriously, I was so obsessed with uh, Robert Russler, especially in The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, but I love his character in this as well. Um, yeah, he's just so awesome. Oh, anyway... The first scene in this film begins with a typical frat house hazing initiation sort of scene. So um, all the bros are in these white robes and they, um, while this like religious creepy music's playing in the background, they take AJ and Keith up to this like this chapel or bell tower and uh, they proceed to put nooses around the necks while they just stand there in nothing but their underwear. I repeat, Robert Russler in his underwear. Okay, moving on. Um, no, but seriously, anything to do with frat bros and um, them stripping their pledges, I, I'm totally here for it because it's camp and homoerotic as fuck. Another film that comes to mind with that is Pledge Night. If you haven't seen that, please check it out. It's really, uh, it's something. And uh, yeah. Um, anyway, after the initiation or hazing prank goes totally tits up, um, because the t- cassette tape breaks, Keith and AJ make a mockery of it, and they're told that they're not fraternity material. So AJ comes up with a plan to say they can do something for them instead of doing all the bullshit hazing, and he says that he could get them a stripper. Um, it's a really dumb plot, but this is an 80s film, and not only is it a horror film, but you have to remember it's also a comedy film. So it it's the 80s, it's a comedy film with frat bros, it works. Um, I would expect nothing less. But faced with the dilemma that they don't have a car, they ask to borrow one off this rich kid who nobody likes called Duncan. And um, the actor who plays him is the guy who plays the exchange student in 16 Candles. And he was also in Gremlins 2 as the photographer who keeps taking pictures of everything, even though Phoebe Cates keeps telling him not to. Um, but yeah, um, it was nice to see him show up in this as well. Um... But yeah, they loan the car off Duncan, but he has the condition that if they loan the car, they have to be friends with him for a week because nobody likes him. Um, his off, like his room as well, it looks like this office, like there's this random office that they found and it's just filled with white goods and computers and stuff. And yeah, I think they'd really try to emphasise that Duncan is like filthy rich. Um, but yeah. Um, they see an ad in the paper on the way to um, the club. Um, it's for the strip club called the After Dark Club and they travel to a shady part of the city to get to it and they stop off at a diner where once it's dark the owner puts on a priest outfit and a crucifix which is really weird and then in enters a gang led by Snow and he's played by B-movie legend Billy Drago so Keith and AJ get um, get themselves into hot water when Keith flirts with one of the gang members until he sees that she has really bad teeth. And then um, Snow proceeds to attack Keith with a knife. 
But AJ being the good bro that he is, he fights off Snow and the gang um, by squeezing Snow's balls. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I just, I love Billy Drago and he looks awesome in this, but I just find this, sub, this subplot with the gang really random. I think it's, if I'm being totally honest, it's filler for the film. It just it's just there to fluff out the film, I think. And um they obviously they come back later on as well. But yeah, it's just really random. Uh but one thing I will say about about the rest of the film, once it does once they are in this part of this um the city, is that the lighting changes into these beautiful green and pink like hues. Uh, it's very Argento in the way that it's done. Um it just it looks so stunning and so beautiful and the very eighties as well. So the lads enter the After Dark Club, which barely has any visitors. Um, probably because it's a secluded part of town, or maybe they just didn't have the budget for more extras, I don't know. But yeah, it's like derelict in there. There's like nobody in there, um, other than a couple of guys and a few waitresses. Um, but it's here that we are introduced to a bubbly blonde waitress called Amaretto, which she states isn't her real name. And she remembers Keith, but he has no idea who she is. And she's played by Dee Dee Pfeiffer, which is Michelle Pfeiffer's sister. But she spends most of the time um, in the scene just making random smiley faces at Keith. And, like, point, she spins a bottle on the table at one point and then points to it. And she's just like, look, look. And then Keith's just like, yeah, okay. Get away from me, you fucking weirdo. Um, but I just find her really cute in this film. She's a, a nice comedy relief, considering... I mean, this is very much a me- a male-driven film with Chris Makepeace and um, Robert Russell. And of course, yeah, they are funny, but I just think that Dee Dee Pfeiffer doesn't get enough credit for this film because she's quite she's quite que- uh, cute and sweet in this film, and um, I find her expressions quite funny. But yeah, the next person we are introduced to is the amazing Grace Jones, who plays Katrina. Yes. So, with Katrina, she she does this dance, which is more like a performance art piece. And it's on this throne, and apparently the cast of that was moulded onto her boyfriend at the time, which was Dolph Lundgren. So, it's got, like, the, the same sort of art that she has on her body. Um, so, I'm sure if you've seen pictures of Vamp, you, you'll see how amazing the uh, body paint that she wears is. Um, and it was done by a friend who was Keith Herring, a famous artist. And uh, on top of that, she wears like the metal sort of bikini thing that she wears. So she does this dance on um, on the stage and she has this wet red wig on and all this white paint. And um, her song Seduction Surrender plays in the background and it's just so enticing. Um, it's strange, weird and oddly sexual at the same time. But um, it's just an amazing scene. It's my favourite scene in the film. And this is what convinces AJ that he wants her to be the stripper that they take back to the frat house. So after Katrina's performance, AJ goes backstage to try and convince her to come back with him to the frat house. And um, what we learn about Katrina is is that she's completely silent. And Grace, sorry, rather, Grace Jones is completely silent throughout this entire film. And what I love about her performance is that she doesn't she doesn't need to speak. She just her mannerisms and the way that she uses her expressions, everything like that, it just makes Katrina um a really strange and mysterious type of character. And 
this, this is just going by IMBD, but apparently the inspiration for that, it, it came from Grace Jones herself, who suggested that Katrina be silent, so it was in the vein of Max Shrek in Nosferatu. And um, it just works really well. And again, this is an IMBD thing. I, I know I shouldn't use that as a resource, but it's just easy um, to, to look at some things on there. Supposedly, um, they originally wanted Tina Turner to do this film. And I just think, I mean, whatever actor they got into the role to play Katrina, it would have been different and it would have been a completely different film anyway. But I, Grace Jones completely makes this film with her portrayal of Katrina. It just totally works and i just can't imagine anyone else playing that role um especially um if they were going to do it silent like like she did it just yeah it just really works but yeah so aj tries to convince katrina to come back with him but katrina starts to seduce him and another cool story about this scene is when she um when she seduces aj robert russell said in in search of darkness part two which is on shudder um, it's like this huge 80s documentary. If you haven't seen parts one and parts two, please check them out. You will not be disappointed. It's an amazing documentary. But on the segment on Vamp, Robert Russell said that Grace Jones arrived nine hours late on set while they were waiting for her to do this scene. And when she arrived, she started howling, screaming, where is my man? <laughs> And the crew just kind of pointed at Robert Russell, like, he's there. I think they were a bit intimidated by it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she uh, when she straddles him and she transforms into her vampiric self, which I must say, the, the vampire makeup in this is not my favourite. Um, it works, but, it, yeah, it's not the best. Um, it's, it's, very, uh, it's very cartoony, I think. But, anyway, but... Once Katrina transforms into her, um, her vampiric self, her true form, she bites AJ on the neck. And Robert Russell also said during this scene that when Grace bit into him, she went through the latex right through to his actual neck. So the discomfort that you see on Robert's face in that scene is real. <laughs> She's such a legend, Grace Jones. She's just cool as fuck as well. Um, I mean, I just, yeah, I just love her. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, yeah, AJ dies in this scene, and yeah, or does he? Sort of, maybe. Hmm. Let's find out. So back in the club, Keith notices a guy with bite marks all over his body, and then he also notices that the MC has cockroaches in his candy dish, and he takes one to eat. And this is when he begins to suspect that the After Dark Club is not what it seems, so he obviously wants to leave. Um, especially when you can't find AJ. But Amaretto convinces him to come with her um, to the hotel so she can remind him about how they knew each other and so that he can find AJ. Meanwhile, we learn that the After Dark Club is used as a vampire hotel to luring losers so that they can feed on them. And one of the girls mistook AJ as someone who was kind of alone and was a bit of a loser, and that's why she let him see Katrina. So Katrina kills the girl for being so stupid. And also as well, um, in Katrina's dressing room, um, there's all these images of obviously Grace Jones from back in the day and what have you, but there's also some suggestions that Katrina is actually, and it was once upon a time, an Egyptian queen. And there's also a statue at the end um, of the movie when Amaretto and Keith go into the vampire's lair. 
Um, so that's a pretty cool idea too. But also what I love about Katrina is that even though this film takes place like in a couple of hours, like over overnight basically, she just changes her costume constantly and all these costumes were apparently from Grace Jones Grace, uh, Grace Jones's wardrobe um, so she has like several costume changes which I'd expect nothing less from a film with Grace Jones in it so Amaretto and Keith are separated when she gets annoyed that he doesn't remember who he is <sighs> seriously girl get the fuck over it <laughs> Keith is a fuckboy he doesn't care but unfortunately for him, he runs back into Snow and his gang where they trap him in the tunnels below the city and Keith watches as a little girl takes out a gang member by uh, biting him. Uh, he gets out of the tunnels and goes to hide in the dumpster where he discovers the body of AJ and he finds out he's dead. Aww. Um, But in all of this, Duncan's been left at the club, like obviously because nobody likes him, and... Keith goes back to let him know that AJ's dead. Um, that is until AJ actually shows up and tells Keith that it was all just one big joke. And, and in between this, at some point, Keith's phoned the police because the police officer shows up. And once he sees that AJ isn't dead, he's like, oh, I hate this part of town, blah, blah, blah. Keith wants to, Keith wants to leave. AJ convinces him to stay. And one of the strippers turns into a vampire and attacks Keith. So he stabs her, naturally. And AJ tells him that everyone in the club's a vampire and that Keith can't leave. He tells Keith that he loves him, aw, but he only sees him as food. And being the good bro that Keith is, he says it's fine, he can feed on him a little bit as long as they can leave, <laughs> which is just really random. But then Keith makes him promise that if he kills him, he doesn't make him come back as a vampire like him. And it's this that changes AJ's mind, and he tells Keith to kill him instead. But when Keith won't do it, he impales himself, and this time he dies. Or does he? I don't know, let's find out. Amaretto comes in and sees AJ dead on the floor, and Keith tries to leave with her and Duncan. I love that they finally remember that Duncan even, even exists. But anyway, the vampires surround them, and they set the bar on fire before they escape. And what I love about this scene is that Amaretto goes straight to the cash drawer while the place is on fire, and Keith's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she says, no, the bitch owe me money. <laughs> Um, honestly, Dee Dee Pfeiffer is just so so adorable in this film. I love her. Anyway, um, they learn that a um, that Duncan has become a vampire uh, while they escape in his car, and Keith sees he has no reflection in the mirror. And after crashing, they let Duncan die in the exploding car. Poor Duncan. He just wanted some friends, and like you know, at the end of the day, they left him at this club, so it's their own fault in the first place. And then he ends up getting getting killed by um, exploding in a car. It's not really... Yeah, it's not fair. I, yeah, poor Duncan. Amaretto and Keith break into an ammo shop and grab weapons to defend themselves against the vampires. And while they run away from the, uh, the vamps, Snow comes back uh, for Keith one more time. Only this time, the gang are took out by all the vampires. So... Again, that subplot is just completely filler and completely useless. And the one thing I will say about about Vamp, and I do love this film, after after AJ is uh, bit by Katrina, 
it, the, the pace of the film just changes. It becomes a lot slower, in my opinion, and a lot of the stuff that happens is very much filler, um, which is it, it does let the film down a little bit, I must say. Um, but, yeah, anyway, after this, Amaretto finally reveals, finally, how her and Keith know each other. She says her real name is Alison, and that they met at a party and played Spin the Bottle once. Really. That's the big reveal. And Keith even says, like, you have incredible timing. Uh, they go back into the tunnels where they find the vampire's lair, and they set it on fire. And Keith loses Amaretto, or Alison as we know her now, and finds out Katrina has captured her and threatens to bite her neck while Keith stands there with a bow and arrow. Uh, when he shoots the arrow into Katrina, um, she comes towards him and he breaks the seal in the buff so the sunlight comes through. But I do have one question about this. When the fuck, in the space of five minutes, did it go from being pitch black to full-on fucking daylight? Um, it's such a plot hole. Um, but again, this is an 80s film, so who, who fucking cares? Um, but anyway, the sunlight kills Katrina, and then we get one last gag of her skeleton's hand rising up, and she flips the bird at um, Keith and Amaretto before she dies. So, yeah, that's the end of, of Katrina. Uh, when they go to leave the tunnels, one of Katrina's henchmen attacks Amaretto and is killed by AJ, who is alive! Yay! Well, sort of, because he's a vampire, but... Um, he greets, even greets Amaretto by going, oh, hey, Alison. So at least he remembers who she was. Obviously, she wasn't that memorable to Keith. Keith is such a fuckboy, honestly. Um, and the movie ends with Keith and Alison uh, leaving the tunnels while AJ talks about how he's going to live his life as a vampire uh, while a rainbow comes over the sky. And that's the end of the film. So, yeah, I, in terms of a vampire film, I, for me, this is up there with Fright Night and Lost Boys. I I really love Vamp. And as I say, I love that it's, it's got a lot more attention over the years, um, especially considering that it does have these amazing releases now on Blu-ray and DVD. And, you know, it's... It, but again, it's one that I don't see people talk about often enough. And... I find it just as good as, as Fright Night, um, if we're going down the comedy horror of vampire routes. But, yeah, um, I really I really love this film. In terms of its legacy, um, Vamp's often compared to From Dusk Till Dawn uh, by Robert Rodriguez. And I can see the comparisons because, obviously, the Selma Hayek plays this vampire queen in From Dusk Till Dawn, and um, it's disguised as a strip club, but... That's where the similarity sort of ends, because obviously this is more of a like a teen, teen comedy horror sort of film, whereas From Dusk Till Dawn's more gangster meets horror. But um, I can see why see why it does get compared to that. And to be honest, I when I did watch From Dusk Till Dawn, I did I did think of Vamp straight away and wondered whether it was maybe partly inspired by Vamp for that reason. But that being said, it's. Vamp is just one of those films that I could watch over and over again. Um, I just find that it's replay value. It, it just because of how mainly how beautiful the film looks, but also because of how like um, kind of goofy it is as well. Especially with Chris Maypiece in the lead and obviously um, Mr. Robert Russell. It just it has like that endearing appeal about it, and you know I I just. For me, it it's one of those one of those films that I watch as like a comfort. 
So if you want to watch Vamp, um, it's available through Arrow um, on DVD and Blu-ray. You can get that through Amazon, Dirt Cheap or eBay or um, anywhere else you get your DVDs and Blu-rays from. Um, I don't think it's on any streaming sites at the minute. Um, it used to be on Netflix a while ago, but they took it off. But honestly, if you like comedy horror, especially 80s comedy horror, and you like vampire films, this is this is the film for you. As I say, in terms of vampire makeup, it's it's a little bit cartoonish, um, but the actual the actual look and feel of the film, it's it's just great. Um, and yeah, I hope you all um, enjoyed my commentary on it today. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and um, I will see you on the next episode of Slashic Horror. <laughs>